Our conversation today bridges the world of innovative parenting solutions and entrepreneurial spirit. I'm your host, Nikki Rishi, founder of Miss Poppins and 180 Elevate. Francisco Cornejo, the creative force behind Storybook app. Together, we'll be delving into the nuances of leading startups in the parenting space, the balance of work and family life, and the journey of bringing transformative ideas to life. Let's embark on this engaging dialogue. Francisco Journey is a unique blend of personal insights and professional innovation. Realizing the need for stronger family connections and better children's sleep routines, he and his wife created Storybook app, a platform combining bedtime stories, music, and massage. With a talented team, they've turned personal challenges into solution helping families worldwide. Francisco's diverse background from tech to entrepreneurship shapes his mission-driven approach to enhancing children's emotional well-being. Welcome, Francisco. So glad you could join us today on our episode. Hey, Nikki. A pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Could you share with us the inception story of Storybook app and how your personal journey influenced its creation? Yeah, absolutely. So in a prior life, um, I was in an entirely different industry. I was the CMO at Honda Motors back home. I'm originally from Ecuador. So the car maker industry, uh, my day and my day and night was about engines and uh, it was quite different. Um, and I won a scholarship from the Ecuadorian government to uh, pay my master's. That, that's a long story by itself, but I won this scholarship. So I decided to, to take that, uh, quit my job. And by that time, my kids were three and one. Uh, and I moved to Australia with my wife and the kids. So you can imagine that. From our hometown to Melbourne, it was a 50-hour flight, including the layovers. But it was 50 hours with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I can't even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just the beginning of what was one of the biggest adventures we had as a family, but one of the top, toughest as well. So I was studying my master's and I was working at, at the same time. And Daniela, my wife, was left alone in an apartment in a foreign country with a crazy time zone difference, without the language, with no friends or family around. So as the months went by, uh, she was trapped in this routine where she was uh, providing for everything that the kids might need, food, clothes, toys, shelter, but she wasn't really providing emotionally. And I was absent. So that cascaded into an emotional health crisis, anxiety, sleep disorders. And we really didn't know how to fix it, but Daniela's curiosity led her to find out more about connecting with the kids. She felt that that was what was missing there. She took a infant massage class because of the importance of touch and, and making sure that you can make your kids feel loved. And uh, when she was practicing these techniques at home, uh, she used to play some music in the background. She had an iPad with music booklet of massage techniques that she was following. She used to read them stories because she, she lo loves stories and she had candles and oils and it was, it was like their own spa. And the kids loved it so much that they started to fight each other about who is going to bed first so they can get their massage, no. which is something that you don't see every day. Like getting kids to sleep is, is hard enough, but the, that was the first benefit. But in a more deeper level, this was a moment where she started to bond much more with them where they wanted they open up to tell us how they felt like i miss home or i'm being bullied at school or they, a whole new dialogue started and a new, new whole new relationship started 
between them and I joined shortly after. Now, the problem for me is that I'm not capable of doing all of those things at the same time. And that was, again, Daniela's idea to say, hey, why don't we pack this concept into an app? That will make things so much easier to follow. So that was the beginning of it. It took us a couple of years to do the research. Daniela went and um, got a certification as an infant massage instructor. Uh, we put together an MVP, launched the app without much expectations, and now 3 million downloads after. Uh, we hit something important and now we have a ton of science and now we understand fully exactly what was going on in that simple dynamic that can really fix sleep and improve the relationship so much. And it's so fun to have a mission-based startup that truly helps a whole community, a specific target audience out there, right? And it's that's the story of Storybooks. So in terms of the MVP journey and really the early stages of your startup, we'll talk about parenting and all of the challenges you had, but let's focus a little bit more on entrepreneurship first half of this podcast. So let's talk about any strategies you've found in engaging with your consumer base and understanding their needs in a D2C or a B2C based startup that you had. Yeah. So again, we, we were clueless on how to make this work and the potential of this. We really started uh, one step at a time. And we knew, because this is the experience that I had from my CMO background, and especially digital marketing, that social media was going to be really important. So the first thing that we did to spread the word, but also to get feedback was to put the story out there. We created a social media account, a Facebook page specifically for Daniela. We started from zero, like we created a brand new page for her. And in that page, she posted the story that I just told you from her perspective, like how she was feeling and all the story through these months of uh, doing the infant massage and the experiences that she had. It was a very well-written story, very emotional. And we posted that and that went viral. So our first 300 purchases came specifically because of that post, but so did the feedback. So in that same post, we started to see feedback about parents saying, hey, my kid loves this, but I don't know how to use it. It seems like a good idea. Or for me, it's really hard to be affectionate. So this might be a good uh, excuse to do that. Or oh, my bedtime routine sucks. Let me try this. And then the replies and then the conversation started. So. I guess that was our first feedback from the community, but, but then something that we've done since day one is we try at least every week to speak with one customer. Every time, every week uh, since we started. And now not only us, but everyone in the team, from the developers to the designers to the people in marketing, everyone joins in a customer interview at least once a week. So we can get fresh data, new perspectives, ideas, complaints, uh, whichever they come with so we can really understand uh, how to make the product better. And how many years has it been since you have launched? We launched the production version of Storybook by the end of 2019. So just before, a couple of months before COVID. So yeah, it's, this is the fourth year. Fourth year? Yeah. Uh, so year in, a, in a few months. So yeah, four years and a bit more. We know that in parenting and childcare space, of course, in-person interactions are very important, but I know that COVID changed that dynamic and changed the mindset of a lot of folks to take things virtual. What kind of unexpected challenges did you face in the tech aspect in the initial years 
And how did you overcome them? Was COVID one that propelled or stopped the growth? How did you think about the tech roadmap and creating something innovative? Yeah, that's a great question. And I come from a different background. So my, my perspective is probably uh, different from anyone in the US. I'm, I'm originally from Ecuador. Uh, after the Australian experience, we went back to Ecuador and that's where we actually launched the production version of Storybook. Okay. So COVID happens and we were working from my hometown back in Ecuador. We had only two people in the team, both of them in our hometown and we had a small office. We were really kind of working remotely in many ways, but we still had a small office and we were just four in the team. COVID starts or growth accelerates. Suddenly we realized this is something that can go the BC route. We can raise money and make this bigger than it could be by your own means. So uh, we raise around and then it's time to hire. Uh, the interesting thing is we no longer were constrained to hiring in Cuenca, Ecuador. So we started to hire from wherever the talent was and we put together an international team by the end of 2020 with people from Argentina or Mexico or Spain. So I think that was really enriching and really allowed us to bring more talented people, smarter people than us in many aspects. So I think that was the way how, how we saw things. No, we no longer need to hire people from our hometown, which was, I think, more of a mindset thing. So that big shift from, hey, let's, let's hire internationally, let's put together the best possible team we can, we can do. I think that was one of the main takeaways. Absolutely. Go where the talent, you know, you find the talent. Why not? Especially in our global working world now. Um, were there any surprising lessons that you had learned in consumer behavior as you started to enter this market a little bit more, went back to the U.S., found out what your niche was, what your target audience were? How do you do all of that research and what were some of those surprising lessons in the consumer behavior space yeah. with your journey? So many, um, but probably the one that it's the most frustrating for everyone in the space, I, I bet uh, you struggle with something like this, is that how bad we as parents are for sustaining a routine. So um, we see this all the time. We speak with parents and they tell us, ah, yeah, I love Storybook, it's a great product. Uh, we use it a lot in the first week, in the first month, in the first three months, uh, whichever. And why did you stop? Yeah, I just forgot. Or uh, I've been so busy, but I, I will go back to it. It's like, it's so hard to stick to it. And and they tell us the benefits. They tell us, yes, this was, this was amazing. I saw my kids sleeping better. My relationship was better. And why did you stop? I really don't know. It's, uh, I forgot. So um, how bad we are to build habits and, and maintain those have healthy habits. I think that that's been the most frustrating part of going B2C. And of course, and that's for the, from the consumer behavior side of things, but then as an industry, it's, it's a mess. It's so challenging. The acquisition channels are complicated. Uh, hiring for the talent is complicated. Uh, so many challenges, but uh, yes. at the same time, it's just amazing, right? Are you referring to client lifetime value where the clients are dropping off because they're finding that they are moving on to different phases of challenges? Or are you talking about them not realizing they need the help, the source exists, and then having a, almost kind of a bad habit of a reminder not being set to go back to the source? Yeah, I think it's kind of both. I was talking more specifically about the retention and how get them yeah. to benefit from the product that they already know that it's benefiting them. But on the other hand, there's also this thing about motivations and how you have internal motivations and external motivations. And when we talk about sleep, 
Sleep is tangible. If you are suffering from sleep problems, or your kid is suffering from sleep problems, you know. Uh, that's that's easy to identify. But if, if I'm talking about improving your relationship and how much stronger your connection can be with your child, which is far more important than the sleep alone, that's something that is really hard for people to understand, to click with that concept, even though they might be suffering from it. That's an internal motivation. I might not be aware that I need that. So it's again on the getting them to understand the product, getting them to try it. It's also a challenge, but that's something that with communication, with research, with marketing, we're overcoming more and more. And speaking of challenges, of course, technology has its own unique landscape always in terms of how it's changing. And have you seen in what ways the parenting niche has changed? I know parent tech is what I would call somewhat of a relatively new phenomenon in the last five years, really coming up and emerging with new ideas and alongside AI becoming a big trendsetter in how it's challenging some of our concepts. So how do you think technologies change with the landscape of our parent tech niche and how has Storybook adapted to these changes? Yeah. I guess uh, there, it's a really big topic and we can talk for hours about that. But one of the main things that comes to mind is uh, how overwhelmed parents are with so many options for everything. And now with AI, you have a sleep coach or a parenting coach or an, an anything coach in the form of AI or real people. Uh, you have so many options. But I, I guess as a challenge, with yes, that's a challenge for the parent. As a challenge for us is that uh, in a way, that dilutes the value of products because now you have so many options everyone is cheap or free or in the perception of the people paying a i don't know five dollars a month which is less than coffee it seems suddenly like it's a, it's too much money but, but the benefits that you can get from that product might be worth thousands in the in the very first week so that's something i'm, I'm sure you've seen something similar uh, Miss Poppins has a really cool offering, uh, but again, in the parent's mind, it's like, but I can get this from some other other sources, or I might not need that because I can handle it my, on myself, or I can hear advice from these parenting groups or my family or whatever. So I, th I think that that's ultimately the problem, that, that overwhelming amount of information, that overwhelming offering of products, it makes hard for people to trust or decide and stick to something. Information overload and saturation of a, an idea is certainly one of the biggest roadblocks to navigate. And I think once we get through that as founders, there'll be others <laughs> as well. For Ms. Poppins, you're right. The idea of a true mentor, a guide in life, a coach to help you navigate I think is irreplaceable with the concept of AI, which is the new tech challenge that we have, but it's like any employment opportunity that feels threatened. It's not that AI is going to replace, I strongly believe, the entire workforce. It's going to augment and it's mm -hmm. going to address the ideas and it's going to truly help. And that's how we're thinking of that challenge in, in the concept of AI to really help on the coaching side, because I think coaches parenting coaches especially, and the support system created is invaluable and irreplaceable, or at least, you know, as founders, we can hope to do that. Um, but of course, you know, navigating through these tough times is a hallmark of startup leadership, right, Francisco? So 
I have had many experiences on how we can adapt and lead. So perhaps you could also share some experiences on how you have led through these challenges. That's an interesting question. And I guess one of the main things that I've done through this uh, hard time, especially the last couple of years, where uh, there's a ton more pressure on the VC world and the funding round and how you have to strategize differently. So it's no longer grow at all costs, but actually build a business that, that makes sense. One of the main challenges for me is that the team feels anxious about these things because you see layovers left and right, um, you see instability, and ultimately people depend on, on this job for, to provide for their families. And when you're in that position, and we, can, we will get to that as a, as a leader, you're also taking charge of your family and you also need some stability. But if you go to lead a, a startup, there's no stability there. It's, it's really a, a bunch of uh, uncertainty packed in a shiny box. But yeah, so shielding my, my team from that uncertainty, trying to provide the confidence, the motivation, the vision, and yeah, in a way shielding them from all the noise, trying to get them to focus. I think that's been one of the most important things. And one life-changing thing that we've done in the last, specifically last couple of years, it's to really work on our priorities. And we do this every single day. Everyone, it's looking at their priorities. We have a, a whole work system where we align our priorities every day. And it's all about priorities. And ultimately, this is all about, this is life as well. So knowing how to prioritize right, uh, making sure that you're following your own priorities, because something, again, uh, that happens is you might think something, you might say something, and you might act in a different way. So when you're coherent with, your thoughts, your words, and your actions, and your priorities are aligned. I think great things can happen. Otherwise, it's only going to be a mess. <laughs> Certainly. And of course, you know, we're talking about the fact that you are a dad and it's all ever a so balancing skill. Um, how do you strike the balance between those two demanding roles? Have you found yourself trapped in between or have you figured out how to harmonize versus strike a balance? Like what's kind of the secret sauce there as an entrepreneur dad? And a That's, <laughs> I wish I can give you a like, straightforward answer to that. I don't know how to label what we have. But um, again, going back to the priorities concept, uh, we live in this crazy world where suddenly job, work, your projects get in this prior, higher priority level than your family, which makes no sense. Um, so we go by that thinking and that belief and not only myself, but everyone in the team, but family is number one. And I love that he came in right at the right time yeah. of that question. It was yeah. perfect. <laughs> but, and that ties to the very beginning of this conversation. Remote work allows you for that. I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for them if they, that, that's a rule we have in the team. If a kid of anyone interrupts a call, it's, that's a priority. We, everyone stops until that kid has satisfied their needs. Mm -hmm. uh, if a mom, I want to hug you, or they want a toy, or they want something, everyone stops. Because ultimately, our family is the most important thing. So I, I guess that's how we try to strike balance. If you are taking care of your priorities, your true priorities, you will feel rested, motivated, focused to do your job. But if you're doing your job relentlessly for years and you're not really taking care of your family, at some point things break. And we don't want that to happen to us and we don't want that to happen to our team. And it makes total sense because our company is all about 
raising happier and healthier children. It will be hypocritical even to do something different. So I guess that's how we try to strike balance, knowing that all the policies in the team are made around our families, um, all our, our energy or time, we try to give it in a, a proportionate matter, first our families, then the company. So it's complex, it's not easy. There's always uh, some competition between things and crazy stories happen, but uh, yeah, I think that has really worked for us. Excellent, family first, and I think the rest will follow. And of course the prioritization exercise helps quite a bit. And you know, you talked a little bit about the concept of how crazy it is and every phase brings on a challenge and it, it it's never ending. I think the advice I would end with in that aspect, if it helps, that I've adopted is we as founders have to learn to enjoy the climb of the mountain because as soon as we get to the top of the mountain, which we will, with every phase, every funding round or any kind of challenge we do, we will find ourselves at the base of another mountain. And so there's yeah. nothing really left other than for us to make sure that we enjoy the climb, we have the right priorities and build a beautiful startup in that manner with the right values and the culture supporting it. Um, thank, you. thank you, Francisco, for being with us today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks so much. As we conclude today's enriching conversation, it's clear that both Francisco and I share a passion for innovating in the parenting space while balancing the responsibilities of entrepreneurship and family life. Francisco, thank you for your invaluable insights and for joining us in this dialogue. To our listeners, we hope this episode has provided you with inspiration and practical advice, whether in entrepreneurship, parenting, or both. Remember, the key to success in these areas often lies in the delicate balance of passion, resilience, and adaptability. To our listeners, we hope this idea and episode of Miss Poppins' Art of Parenting empowers you with knowledge and inspiration as you navigate your own parenting journey. Stay tuned for more, and until next time, embrace the art of parenting with confidence and love. This is Nikki signing off. Thank you. Thank you.